Well, good morning, Kirby Church. How are you guys doing today? It's so good to be here. Welcome to uh, Life in the Fairway Part 6. Would everyone do me a favor? If you've been enjoying this series, would you just yell out a good old four? That's not bad. That's pretty good. For those of you who don't golf and you don't know, uh, that's what you yell when you hit yell. Boy, that sounded southern, didn't it? Yell. Uh, that's what you holler. That's not even better, is it? Um, that's, that's what you say, scream, when um, you hit a golf ball and it's heading towards someone, okay? Because the last thing you want to do is hit someone with an inerrant golf shot. And so you yell, four. Now, I don't know why. Don't ask me. Because common sense to me says you would yell, duck, or hit the ground, you know, or run, something. I hear people yell four, and I want to say five, six. I watch too much Sesame Street and Electric Light Company. I'm telling them my age now, aren't I? But uh, today what we want to talk to you about is we want to talk about habits. Uh, and uh, every golfer, it doesn't matter if they're good, if they're bad, if they're professional, or if they're novice just starting out, every golfer struggles with bad habits. They all have them. And it could be something as far as, you know, swinging too high, swinging too low, breaking their wrist. It could be uh, uh, the most common thing that golfers will struggle with, probably the most common bad habit, is raising their head when they're swinging the golf ball. And the reason golfers, we golfers, like to raise our head in the middle of our swing, when we're coming down on the ball, we like to look to see how beautiful the golf shot is going to be, right? How straight and how far the golf ball is going to fly. And so we look up too soon, and when you take your eye off the golf ball, guess what happens? You miss, okay? And uh, you miss it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrible where you shank the ball, you hit the ball in places you don't want to hit it. So here's the deal. A habit, what is a habit? A habit is defined, I like this, as a settled or regular tendency or practice. It's something that you've settled into. It has become habitual in your life. A lot of times with habits, you don't even have to think about them. It's just something that you do. And it's one that's hard to give up. Habits are hard to toss. I mean, those are, they're, they're things that are just hard to quit. Now, everyone say with me, say bad habits. Okay, that's pretty weak. All right, everybody say bad habits. Okay, all right, all right. That's a little bit better. You were doing better earlier on in the message. I hope I'm not losing you already. And, and so here's the thing. I believe everyone, I believe everyone has bad habits. I really do. And I was blown away this week. Uh, I had a little bit of a trip in Nashville. I had some missions conferences I had to go to. And, and while I was there, I thought, I want to... I want to reach out to my 3,000 close friends on social media, Twitter and Facebook, you know, close friends, like I've met them maybe once, you know how that goes with social media. We're not close friends, but anyway, they're acquaintances. So I, I, I sent out a question. I said, would you help me with this? I'm preaching on habits this Sunday. Would you share with me what are some of the difficult bad habits you've had to fight or overcome in your life? Nothing. No response. So I thought, that's weird. Maybe all of a sudden I'm not popular. People are defriending me. I don't know, you know. And so I asked the question again. I sent it out again to my, to my, uh, my, my tweets, my Twitter followers, and my peeps, and all those kind of, you know. And so no response. And late that night, I checked my email, and there's an email from a dear friend of mine who I'd happened to visit with that, uh, Wednesday morning. I'd sent this out on Wednesday, Wednesday night. Uh, he'd lost his wife a little less than a year ago, and so I spent a few hours just visiting with this dear friend of mine. And so he emailed me that night. He said, Joe, I saw your question on Facebook, and I didn't want to respond for the world to see, but here's 
some habits that God's had to help me through. And I thought to myself, could it be, could it truly be that we all have them, but we don't like to talk about them? We definitely don't like to throw it out on social media, the things that we've struggled with or had to overcome in our life. And so I wanted to test my hypothesis, okay? Big word alert, Joe, just use hypothesis in a sermon. Write that one down, okay? And so what I thought I'd do is I'd ask the question again on Thursday. And I would rephrase it. Instead of asking, would you share with me the habits that you've struggled with or that you've overcome in your life, guess what I asked? Anybody know? What are the bad habits that other people have that drive you crazy? It blew up. I mean, I had, I had responses like crazy from people on Facebook and Twitter, all these things. And it, check this out. It was responses like this. I didn't put them all because, we, I mean, we could be here all day. But it was like not looking me in the eye when talking to me, leaving dirty clothes on the floor. Okay, no elbowing, no amen into this section. Okay, let me just throw these out there. Chewing with your mouth open. It just drives people nuts. Nail biting. And I could write with that when clipping your nails during a church service, which I've had people do, which is, wow, that's just, okay. Using God's name in vain. Constantly sniffing your nose without blowing it. Just blow it already, right? You just, have you ever want to just yell at somebody or throw them Kleenex or something? Um, when people mumble, it's just mumble. They don't speak up. They don't speak loud, right? Snapping or popping their gum. And this one here, cussing cursing, right? And this person, they put, seriously, it's just called get a vocabulary, right? I mean, seriously. So we struggle with that. Hawking loogies. Now, if you don't know what a loogie is, okay, I kind of I spend enough time in the South, and I've, I'm on my second round of antibiotics. I've had two bouts of bronchitis in the last month. If you need some help with that term, see me after the service, okay? I'm sorry. I know. I know. Having a conversation during church and I've seen this where people, they don't even whisper, like they just talk, you know, during church. Spitting in public, taking the phone, or talking on the phone in the bathroom. I mean, seriously, is it that important, right? All right and we, we have these kind of things. We all have bad habits. And I think apparently, according to my research this past week, we don't like to talk about them. Apparently, we only like to point out other people's bad habits and the truth of the matter is, what I want us to realize today in our short time together is that bad habits, we all have them, and they have serious consequences. They can all have bad consequences. And from the point or the, the perspective of a golfer on the golf range, it can really mess up your, your, uh, your game. It can really mess up your score. It can take the fun out of the game when you have these incredible bad habits that are hard to overcome or to let go of or to kick to the side. But unfortunately, that's just a game. Many of us, we have those bad habits that the consequences, the serious consequences that come into our life. Now, this isn't so serious, but take, for instance, if you have a chef who has a bad habit of looking around or not paying attention when he's cutting up the vegetables, right? That could be a bad day for the chef, right? There could be something extra in the vegetables. That'd be horrible. Or if you had a farmer who's planting his crops and he has attention deficit disorder and he's always texting or he's looking to the right or the left, he, he has the, the inevitable consequences of growing crooked rows of corn or beans. And th those just seem so lighthearted or so, so small as far as the consequences. But the truth is, consequences are real. And they have effects in our life. And the difficult thing, I think, for all of us to, to even maybe begin to think about is how severe our consequences can be 
when it comes to the bad habits that we've not overcome or that we've not kicked aside or we've not dealt with in our own life consequences that could lead to failing classes, losing a job, destroyed relationships, failed marriages, bouncing checks, or struggling to grow even spiritually. We've all had those things. We've all had those moments in our life in which we've looked around or we've told somebody, I wish I could just stop doing that. You know, oh, I wish I could just give up that bad habit. I wish I could kick that to the side. I wish I could stop. My life would be so much better if I could overcome that. We all have those things. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. I want you to check out this first passage. This is, this is incredible. This is powerful for us. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says you are a what? Say it with me out loud. Slave to whatever controls you. Habitual habits controlling, hard to let go of, hard to change or to work through. Bad habits aren't small, aren't trivial. They aren't something that we can just ignore. They can truly hinder our spiritual growth and even more, they can hinder what God has in store for all of us from his perspective and and his God-given potential in our lives. Now, there are a couple problems with bad habits, and they're not necessarily in your, in your handout on the, on the back of the handout on the notes, but I do have them on the screen. And the first one I've already alluded to is the fact that um, for many of us, we don't want to admit that we have bad habits. We only want to point out everyone else's. We've already talked about that. Facebook has proven it, okay? Second is this. The second problem is we want to make excuses for our bad habits. Well, one of these days, Joe, I'm going to get into shape. You know, one of these days, I'm going to start eating healthy, you know, fruits and veggies. And one of these days, Joe, I'm going to stop watching TV so that I can read the Bible through this year. I, like, I always wanted to read the Bible all the way through, and I'm just going to give up TV and do that. One of these days, Joe, I'm going to stop biting my nails. You know, one of these days, I'm going to do that. And here's what I found in my life. I have found that when I'm serious about kicking a bad habit, when I'm serious about change in my life, then I start immediately. But when I'm not real serious, and I found this in other people, when they're not real serious, guess what? They just talk about it. They make excuses. Here's the thing, write this down. As a follower of Christ, this is so cool, you cannot become what you need to be by staying the same. Man, if you're gonna amen something, there's a place right there. You cannot become what you need to be by staying the same. And God loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. And that's wonderful news for us. It's not bad news. You and I, we're a work in progress. We're not perfect. None of us in this room are. And that's why the Hebrew or the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 12. He says, let us throw off everything that what? That hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's put it off. Now, do you know what the problem is with that verse that most of us have? When you talk about throwing something off, when you talk about releasing something that's hindering you, that involves change. It involves change. Everybody say change. Change, right. Now, I've come to to believe that I think the only person who likes change is a wet baby. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm just thinking that's probably true. That's just where a lot of us are. We don't like change. We don't like that. And some of us, you know, we resist it as much as we can. Now, if you know uh, anything about me, and maybe if you've made it to one of these messages, you know that um, I, these are left-handed clubs. I'm in trouble. Uh, but I, anyway, I started um, working on my golf game this year, taking it seriously. Uh, Pastor Mike loves to golf. 
And um, uh, there's a golf course in Monroe that allows pastors to golf for free. Now, don't go online and try to get your pastoral card, okay? Uh, but they do, and they're just wonderful. I've never really been able to afford it. I've never had anybody to pour into me and to help me with golf. I never studied it. I didn't know the, the proper techniques and those kind of things. I would golf maybe once a year. Somebody would invite me out, and it was the most frustrating day of my life. So moving to Kirby, I knew, I, okay, I want to take this serious. I'm, I'm maturing, getting a little bit older. I want to learn the game of golf. And so uh, I started asking everybody I could ask, what do I need to do? Because I had this terrible slice. I mean, just, just a horrible slice. When I hit the ball, basically the ball just curved quite a bit to the right, okay? I couldn't hit the ball stri- straight. I couldn't hit it far. It was bad, okay? What I had learned growing up was Little League Baseball. So when I grabbed a club and I swung at the ball, I was swinging as if there was a, instead of swinging a strike coming through the strike zone, I was swinging at this ball on the ground, okay? And it was horrible. And, and so I began to watch YouTube videos, ask people that, that I knew who were good at golf, that, that rules out Pastor Mike, and uh, some oh, come on. He's not here. I can pick on him. And, um, and so uh, I started checking out all this stuff. What can I learn? Just absorbing everything I could. And one of the things I learned when it comes to a bad slice is it has to do uh, several things, but it can do with your grip. And I had this little league baseball grip where I was just, I was just grabbing it, you know, like a baseball bat. And what, what the, some of the experts said is I needed to learn to turn my hand over so that this would help the contact with the ball so that there wouldn't be the spin on the ball that would cause it to, to, to slice really bad. And I'm going to tell you, that was, that was so uncomfortable. Because even though I'd golfed, you know, once a year, I, I had my way of swinging. I had my way of holding the club. And to change my grip now, it was the most uncomfortable thing. And guess what? It didn't help me at first. But after a few weeks of changing my grip, after a few weeks of holding the club differently, it began to impact my swing. And I began to hit the ball straighter. And I began to lose the slice. Now, I've got a long way to go in my game, but I did begin to improve my scores. And the truth of the matter for all of us here is we know this, change is hard. Change is not easy. And for a lot of us, it's, it's easier to get stuck in our ways. And I'm, I'm learning that more and more the older I get. But please listen. If you want to mature in Christ, if you want to continue to mature in Christ, then you've, if you want to get rid of bad habits, then through the power of God at work in our lives, we can't stay the same. We have got to change. No more excuses. No more denial. God has a plan for each one of us to make him more like him. And that involves a process of change. Look at Romans 8, 29. This verse says this. It says, from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become what? Like his son. That's a process. To become like his son. For those of us who have come to Christ, we understand we have a relationship with the Lord and we've asked him to forgive us of our sins. That there is now a process that we're all going through. To learn how not to raise our head. To learn how to grip the club and to swing so that we can begin this process of change and becoming more and more like Christ. Uh, one of my favorite pastors, that uh, Eugene uh, Peterson, has written a paraphrase of Scripture. And um, he, he's just an expert with languages, and he's written this. It's called The Message. And in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2, he puts it this way. He, he paraphrases this passage to, to say this. He says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Sounds like a habit, right? 
that you're just kind of habitually going through life. You've got these things you're not even thinking about. He said, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be what? Say it out loud. Changed. You'll be changed from the inside out. Unlike the culture around you, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity. It's Him doing that in us. And see, it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how young you are, how cool you are, or how uncool you are. The truth of the matter is everyone in this room has a story. I've got a story and you've got a story. And as we look back at our stories, there's probably moments in our life in which we have, we've accomplished some things. We've probably even kicked some bad habits to the side, and we're proud of those moments. We're like, you know what, I did it then, and I, I, you know, I had this successful moment in my life, and we're proud of that. But we also, in the storybook of our life, as we look back, everyone in this room would say, Joe, there are some things in my life I don't want anyone to know about. And if my life was written in a book, I'd want to rip a page or two out. And some of you, if you're like me, I'd want to rip a couple chapters out and remove those and just pull them out because I wouldn't want anyone to know about those. And the reality is we cannot change. We can't change what's already been written. But the good news is our future story is yet to be penned. It's yet to be written down. And so if you're taking notes, you can fill this in. The decisions that you make today, I love this. The decisions that you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. Have you thought about that? The decisions that you're making, even right here this morning at Kirby, can determine the stories that you're going to tell tomorrow. Andy Stanley is another pastor. He's down in, in Georgia and in the Atlanta area at the Buckhead Church. And, and he's written this. He's he, uh, writ, written a book called The Principle of the Path. And, and this statement in this book is incredible. He says, direction, not intention, determines your destination. Have you ever heard everyone say, anyone say, well, that person, they got, they've got good intentions. Or I've got great intentions, you know. It's not the intentions, it's the direction. It's, it's, the, it's the way that you're moving. It's the, the direction that you're moving in that determines destination. The, the world is full of people with good intentions, right? We've got to have that. Listen, the longer I live and the older I get, the more I've realized the importance of what I'm asking you to do here this morning, of just stopping and thinking about the decisions you're going to make. And the older I get, the more I've realized the importance of that. I mean, when I was young, I'd jump off of a 30-foot bridge into uncharted waters, not even knowing what was down there. You know, it's just gung-ho, just living life, just having it. But now, I'm a little bit older, right? I've got a wife, three kids, and a mortgage, and I have felt pain. I have broken bones, and I've had stitches before. And because of that, all of those experiences in my life, I now love to stop and think, where is this going to lead me? How is this decision going to impact my life? Have you ever heard anyone say, man, Joe, if I could just go back and do it again. If I could just change this. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with people or counseled with people who said, if I could only go back and change that, if I could only do that. Listen, the decisions you make today determine the stories you'll tell tomorrow. Direction, not intention, determines destination. So the overriding question for us here this morning is, Joe, how do we keep our head down? How do we focus and how do we correct those bad habits? Not in our golf game, but in our life. 
How do we make that happen? And, and the key passage I want us to look at, I want us to focus on, is Hebrews chapter 12. I've already alluded to it, and, and maybe this would be something good for you to just to study and to read on tonight and to, to think about a little bit. But in Hebrews chapter 12, look at what it says. The author says this in those first three verses. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. By the way, it takes three to four weeks to develop a good habit. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes. Here's the key. How do we do it? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary in trying to overcome the bad habits, grow weary in trying to change, grow weary in trying to become more and more like him and lose heart. Wouldn't it be amazing if you and I, if all of this, uh, us in this room, think of the potential if we would begin to let Jesus help author our lives, the story of our lives. If we were so focused on him that we were actually being led by him. And if you're being led by Christ, I promise you, the story that you're going to have is worth telling. It is so worth telling. Pushing old habits to the curb, embracing spiritual change for God's glory. So here it is. Here's the big question. If you're sitting here right now, you're wondering to yourself, Joe, that sounds great. I'm on board. I get it. I've got, a, I've got bad habits. I've got things in my life I don't like to talk about. I'm not going to post them on Facebook. And I get that. I, I read that verse. We've got to throw those things off. We've got to focus on Jesus. How do we do it? How do we get rid of bad habits? Are you ready? Here it is. This is big. Are you ready? Chirp, chirp. You ready? Okay. All right. Here it is. You've got to stop. I mean, that's it, right? You've got to stop. That's the key. You just have to stop. I mean, I know you may have been thinking of something big was going to be coming, coming here, but I mean, that's it. It's just you've got to stop. And here's what I want you to do. I want, I want to just help you with this process. And what I found in my life to be successful in this is I want you to think about one thing right here this morning. What is the one thing that you're doing in your life that's not good? What's the one thing? And commit that to God not seven things, not eight things, because if you're like me, man, I could, I could write an incredible list here of things that I know that are bad in my life that I need to begin to kick and get rid of, but I want you to think about one, just one thing, and begin to ask God and commit that to Him to, and asking Him to help you to overcome it. Now, I want to give you a couple of reasons why we need to stop. Just to reinforce this, let me give you a couple things very quickly. First of all, you don't know what you're missing you don't know what you're missing if you don't stop. And I've experienced this in my life. The moments that, that those times, those opportunities were three or four or five weeks as I begin to just focus on God and pray and work through something that I knew I needed to let God change in my heart and my life. At the end of that time, you know, after a little bit of time, it's like you look back and you're like, wow, I never realized it could be this good. I never realized eating healthy could make me feel this good. I never realized exercise could help me to feel as good and have more energy. I mean, I just thought it'd wear me out. And you just, you don't think about those things until afterwards. You don't know what you're missing 
if you don't stop. And secondly is this, you don't know what it will cost you if you don't stop. You don't know what it's going to cost you if you don't. I mean, the way, the, the, the habits, the things that you have in your life right now are affecting the story that you're going to tell. And it could be that they're affecting the story that you're going to tell with your health later on in life. And the struggle that you're going to have in the last 10 to 20 years of your life because you didn't make the right decisions now. It could be that you won't walk your daughter down the aisle. You won't be able to enjoy your grandkids. we got to stop. And we got to think about, where is this going? What's the story I'm going to tell? It could be that your struggle is that you're, you're spending time looking at porn, and you keep doing that because you've not been caught yet, and you've not thought about the, the repercussions and the effect that it's going to have because eventually it's going to catch up with you. It affects you now whether you think you, it does or not. And eventually when it catches up, it's going to destroy relationships, starting with your spouse and your kids and your family and anybody and everybody that respects you. Play it forward. Begin to think about how is this decision going to affect the story that I'm going to tell. You keep overspending. You're spending more than what you're bringing home. Eventually, it's going to affect your life. And I'll tell you how I've seen it affect people is they're not able to give as God's asked them to give because they're just living paycheck to paycheck, just trying to pay everything that they can just to get out of debt. Living with a negative, negative, critical attitude. Play it forward. How is that going to destroy relationships in your life? And you've got to ask yourself the question this morning, what does God want me to do? And in light of what God wants me to do right now, what is that one thing that I know is bad in my life, that is wrong in my life, that I need to begin to overcome? Now let me be very transparent for a moment. As one of your pastors, I want you to know, none of us as pastors are perfect. We talk about this stuff. We do. We've got a long way to go. Mike and I and, and Don, and I, I love our relationship and that we can do this. And I want you to understand, we're just normal people. I mean, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, man, God had to do a work in my vocabulary because I had three or four cuss words I was really good at, and I'd use them sometimes three or four times in a sentence, you know? I was horrible at that. I was exposed to pornography at a very young age. So even now, I know I have to pray and ask God to help me with guardrails so that I can protect my relationship and my, my purity of my thought and my mind and my relationship with my wife and my kids and my ministry. I had to begin to pray and, and seek through. God had to do some things in my life with, with uh, just having a haughty spirit and thinking more of myself. Or, and then also thinking critical and talking critical of so many people, of, of throwing away the habit of chewing tobacco that I picked up playing baseball, Little League baseball. And, and just all these little things that God's began to work on in my life. And so I've got to ask you, what is it that God wants you to stop? In light of what God wants you to do, in light of the story that you want to tell someday, someday down the road, what does God want you to stop? And don't make a big, long list. Write down one thing today. What is it? Some of you need to stop trying to control everyone and everything. You're driving your kids away, you're driving your spouse away, and you've got to stop being a control freak. Some of you need to stop being critical and judgmental of everything. You pick everything apart. Everything. Some of you need to stop smoking weed, cigars, cigarettes, crayons, whatever it is. It's not helping, right? 
Seriously. Some of you need to, need to get over or, or stop this addiction with alcohol. And for some of you, I understand, listen, when it comes to addictions, because habits can turn into addictions, and with some of them, you need some help, and you need to come see us as pastors, or you need to call Jeff Caldwell and set up a, a, a session just to help work through some of these things. Some of you need to break up with that stupid guy. Oh, but he's got so much potential. No. You need to stop, right? Some of you need to stop overspending. Some of you need to stop eating junk food because it's not your life purpose to save the hostess Twinkie company. You know, I mean, it's not, right? Some of you need to stop watching unquestionable movies or neglecting your family or being addicted to social media or your cell phone. Some of you need to let go of hurt and stop blaming God. What do you need to stop? What is it in your life that God's dealing with you about right now. Because in Hebrews, we're admonished to throw off. Therefore, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders us. Let us throw it off. And the sin that so easily entangles us. If there's something that's entangling my story, if there's something that's, that's slowing me down, that's keeping me from all that God would have me to be, I need to throw it down. I need to get rid of it. Why? Because Christ is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And when you fix your eyes on Jesus, I'm not just talking about behavior modification because anybody can do that. We can teach a rat to to do that, right? I'm talking about spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation that when you actually hear from God and God says, this is hindering your story, this is holding you back, This is keeping you from being all that I'd have you to be. And you say, but I've tried to stop, Joe. I have tried, I've tried to kick that, and I'm telling you, I believe by the power of Christ, you can stop anything that God calls you to stop. I believe that. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives within inside of you as a believer in Christ. And through his power, he can help you to make the change that you need to make. It's not easy. It takes time. Sometimes it takes help. It takes a lot of praying. It takes a lot of effort on our part. But you can do it because the decisions you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. You may say, Joe, my story's not perfect. You know what? Mine's not either. My story is not perfect, and yet for all of us, our stories aren't finished yet. If you're here this morning and you're breathing, you're living, I mean, your story is not finished yet. And Jesus can help us live the story that he wants to tell. But we've got to seek him. We've got to focus on him because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. What is your one thing? What is your one thing? Would you bow your heads and, and pray with me here this morning? And I, I just want to challenge you here this morning as we kind of wrap this up, as we close, that it's no accident that you're here today. And I know if people don't want to write about these things on Facebook, I know. I mean, we don't like to admit, we don't like to, we don't like to throw this stuff out there, but I know we've all got them. We've got those things, those little things, some of them that may be external, that everybody knows about, a temper, bad language, a bad habit that everybody sees, but it may be internal. It may be that attitude. It may be that critical mindset. It may be those things that you're hiding that nobody else knows about. Now listen, I want you to get something here before I, before I pray with you. I want you to get that all of this happens and begins with a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. 
It happens when you give your heart to Him. That's how true change begins. And you may be here this morning, and, and, and that may be why God's brought you here, because God's been chasing relentlessly after you, wanting to have a personal relationship with you. Listen, it begins with you just opening your heart and saying, God, I realize you love me. You died for me. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me for living for myself? Would you forgive me for my sins? And, and God, at that moment, ushers in his Holy Spirit into your life. And all of your past, all of your sin is forgiven. It's gone. It starts with you believing and confessing. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. And that's the point, that's the step that you need to make. And if that's you, I want to very boldly, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's where you're at this morning, just raise your hand. Joe, that's me. I need Christ. There's hands going up. There's hands going up. And here's what I want to do. I want to I lead you in praying. And if, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, would you just pray for those right now who are going to pray this prayer? Because I want to help usher them into this incredible, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. So if that's you and you raised your hand, would you just pray this? Would you just pray, Jesus, I love you. I realized this morning that I need you. I confess my sins to you. And I acknowledge that I believe in you and that you've brought me to this place. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for helping me start the process to become like you, to write a new story. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, would you give them a round of applause? Because there's some people here this morning that have made that decision, okay? Now, here's the thing. For, the, for every one of us here, what's your one thing? What's your one thing? And we'll just bow your heads again. I'm just bow your heads. If you're bold enough just to say, Joe, I've got a thing that I've got to work on. I got something God's dealing with me about. Just raise your hands because I just want to know. I'm going to pray for you right here. Hands going up everywhere. That's just what I thought. That's just what I thought. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being real with me and with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to hearts this morning. Thank you for your word and how it challenges us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the fact that it's you that brings the truth.